In this week's episode, we're joined by Chris Norton, CEO of Equinox Hotels. Listen in as we unravel the intricacies of luxury hospitality, Equinox's holistic approach to wellness, and how this shift is redefining the way we view hotels. Let's dive in. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Christopher Norton, Chief Executive Officer, Equinox Hotels. Chris has been designing premier guest experiences with holistic health in mind throughout his 30-year career in the hospitality industry. Raised in Zurich, Chris's first taste of the industry was visiting a friend's family-run hotel and restaurant business located on the outskirts of the picturesque Swiss city. Not long after, he became an apprentice at the famed Bar-a-Lac, and his passion later led him to study at the prestigious EHL in Lausanne, Switzerland, where he currently resides as an active board member. Following stints at the Watergate Hotel, Boca Raton Resort and Club, and Ritz-Carlton, New York, Chris began a long tenure at Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts as President and Chief Operating Officer. After Four Seasons, Chris brought his keen sense of style and design, commitment to a healthy lifestyle, and dedication to the people that he works with to launch Equinox's first ever luxury lifestyle and hospitality brand. Chris, it's great to have you with us. Well, first of all, Colin, I'm thrilled to be here and thank you for uh, for having me on, on your podcast. I'm very excited. Um, I fell in love with the business when I was 15, 16, uh, through a friend of mine whose dad owned a bunch of luxury boutique hotels and restaurants in Zurich, Switzerland. And I was infected by the atmosphere and everything that went on. Uh, not only in front of the house, but in the kitchens and back. And I just thought this whole environment was very, very stimulating. And so I did an apprenticeship at the very famous uh, hotel in Zurich called the Boholak uh, when I was 16 and ended up at hotel school in Lausanne and graduated and started my career in the U.S. Uh, in 1980. And uh, literally you know, had a very classic hotelier uh, career that eventually took me around the world working in I think every continent and uh, uh, you know, spending the last uh, 45 years in the industry uh, uh, kind of uh, evolving it and trying to innovate and, uh, and make it relevant. Um, so that's kind of the big picture story. I'm still as much in love with it as I was then. I get up in the morning without an alarm clock and I'm excited to go to work. Um, I did spend a whole bunch of time in luxury hotels after graduating, before I joined Four Seasons in uh, 1989, uh, moved to Montreal. My, one of my languages is French, so we, my wife and I felt very happy that we were there and started as a hotel manager with them. Uh, and then uh, kind of moved up the ladder with them over almost 30 years until I ended up being the president of the company and uh, chief operating officer out of the Toronto office or out of an airplane, actually, more accurately. And what's interesting to me about your Four Seasons time is you really presided over not only quite a substantial expansion of the brand, but also, you know, there was quite an interesting evolution um, of luxury 
and also Four Seasons, you know, approach to it, which actually in some ways hasn't changed. But, you know, throughout your career, you, you, you saw consumer tastes changing. Um, you saw lots of evolutions. What were some of the big observations that you had with your Four Seasons tenure? So, first of all, I want to give Four Seasons credit for having been a spectacular learning ground and for me to, to develop uh, over almost 30 years. Uh, and spectacular leadership with Izzy Sharp, the founder, who I still believe is one of the great geniuses in, in this business. Uh, the culture at Four Seasons was very strong, and they always, you know, you know, believed in you know treating others the way you want to be treated, and uh, in a very high service ethos, which was then, and I think you know, still at the core of what the brand is all about. Uh, but I did see evolution in brand, you know, as the brand would you know start going into London or Europe and picking up some of. Uh, uh, you know, or, or catering to different tastes, uh, or you know, different spots, trying to be, uh, trying to reflect uh, some local characters without losing the brand identity. Uh, but I also remember, in addition to that, uh, and the brand going into Asia, the brand going into some of these other cities or Paris, uh, the brand going resorts, for example, was a huge step for Four Seasons that had for you know, decades been an urban brand. Um, and I think was driven by the success of the Ritz-Carlton in Naples, Florida, uh, which was a spectacular, successful property to pursue the resort business, understanding that it was the same customer just traveling, traveling for different reasons. And I think today, 60% of the brand, or when I left, I think 60% of the brand's revenue came from resorts. And your transition after your significant tenure at Four Seasons was kind of going into a, a different and an unexpected place. You saw some white space um, in the evolution of luxury and wellness, and, and you partnered with Equinox and, and joined to, to build out a hotel brand. What was the white space that you saw, and what was the sort of traveler preferences uh, that you were observing that, that made you think that this was an interesting place to get into? I guess it goes back to my upbringing in Switzerland to some extent, uh, where you know, a healthy lifestyle, uh, respect for your environment, uh, good eating habits, uh, being active are part of a country's culture. So I grew up in that environment already. But I, in the hotel business specifically, even pre Four Seasons, I remember working at the Watergate where I spent a lot of time renovating the, what it was then called the swim club into more of a fitness area and always myself, you know, believing in the lifestyle and always, you know, going, working out and going to the gym. Even, even with, even, you know, I always believed that that was an important part of a hotel experience, uh, not to interrupt your daily routine, which you work out, it's part of, you know, it's something you do every day. So um, when I started talking to Equinox and Related um, and listened to their concept, uh, I was convinced that doing it right would put this brand in a very unique position and offer something that would be truly differentiated and something that hadn't been done nor in the lifestyle or luxury part of the business. And so I thought it was thrilling 
and you know after months months of thinking about leaving you know what you could consider as one of the best jobs in the industry and start basically do a startup and sit in a, you know in an office for a few years just literally planning out and making sure this brand would be differentiated and tight you know i just i just believe that you know as the new generation of luxury consumers moves ahead that wellness well-being whatever you want to call it label it you know is is going to be the key or if not one of the key things that people will be looking for uh, as they as they experience uh, hospitality and it's it's a very astute read because what we see in consumer culture now is we see more awareness more people listening to huberman you know the um biohacking movement you know peter atia you know more people are, are wearing a, a whoop band to understand their recovery so luxury in many ways is moving from sort of excess and decadence into something that is providing functional benefits to someone that's on the road that has a high stress career that is trying to find that one or two percent alpha and i think what's very interesting about what you guys have done with equinox is you have a very strong point of view it, it carries through the brand in a in a meaningful way it's not just lip service there's a lot of platitudes given to wellness and there's a lot of um, sort of basic and remediary thing or remedial things that are that are done, but you're coming with a very very sharp. I would argue one of the sharpest worldviews. So help me understand how you guys have thought about this holistically. It's not just the spa, you know. It's not just the. It's everything. No, it's really it's the importance. You know, it's this big shifts here, and one of the shifts you mentioned, which is the, the definition of luxury, because we're doing this at a high end. Uh, and and the shifts they're not occurring just now. The shifts have always occurred. If you go back the last fifty or hundred or two or three hundred years, you know these people's uh, priorities and the definition of luxury has changed. And to me, one of the key definitions of luxury still is something that is rare and high quality. And you know when people consume, you know, gilded spoons and thought that was luxury that because that was very rare the life you know didn't provide that to many people today what we provide is rare and it's you know and and health is something that has become incredibly important in order to you know give you happiness so i think you have this huge shift that is happening and when i talk to the young young consumers there is there's this and you know this as this pressing need to have an experience versus buying things uh, and we have we provide an integrated experience that hits on what what we believe are all these building blocks to uh, being the best version of yourself and having a happy fulfilled life and that is you know and, and the health component is the wellness component is number one we believe and I really believe that with great brands, everything communicates. So to set the stage, you know, for the listeners, equal, you know, when you open up the mini bar, you know, at, at, at an Equinox hotel, there's, you know, lipos, like liposomal vitamins. There's, you open up the, the closet, you have an, a range of very interesting 
mobility um, equipment that is de facto for every room. It's you don't have to request it. There's a you know yoga mat. There's kind of mobility tools. It, it was you know when I saw the room, it's it, blackout curtains, an HVAC system that is designed to be like not rattling but very smooth and buttery and non-disruptive. There's no lights in the room. Um, just the, the the cohesiveness of the vision. Um, what my impression was is it's attention to detail. And, you know, I think that great hoteliers pride themselves on this. And I want you to talk about some of the obsessiveness that you've kind of brought to this exercise, making it transcend a real estate play. Um, you know, I, I was, I was really impressed with the, the nuance of the lighting of the room, how you obsessed over having the, the Lutron system, because all of these small details really add up. And especially at a more luxury price point, um, you know, people notice the, the tiniest things. So, you know, what are the things that you really obsessed over in creating this experience? You, you mentioned a number of them already. And uh, we, and I, I've always been obsessive when it comes to detail because I think the, the detail makes the difference. I also do believe that, you know, successful brands have CEOs that have the ability to go macro to micro in a nanosecond and back. And, you know, you, we really looked at the traveler and the consumer and what they need and how they travel and what they miss when they go into, into many, in many hotel these days. Um, and so a huge part of our definition of luxury was what I call content defined luxury. So it is not only about the color of the cushions or the design, but it's what's inside the mattress, what's inside the pillows, what's, as you mentioned, what's inside the private bar. We redefine, we reinvented room service. There's no room service tables in this hotel. The way we deliver and unfold the experience is, is very unique. And somebody recently asked me if we had one of those incredible buttons in our hotel as part of the technology package where you could press the button and all the lights went off. And I said, we're actually doing better than that. We have a button uh, on, our, on our iPad that is called dark, quiet, cool. And not only do the lights go off, but while the lights go off, the shades close, and the air conditioning sets the room to, to scientifically the most perfect environment in which you can get the best possible sleep. And so it's not only you know, lights going out, it's a lot of other elements that you might not see if you walk in the room, but when you wake up in the morning, you can tell the difference. And you know, interesting enough, the, the most written comment that we get from guest feedback on our Instagram and other, other ways of you know, feeding back to the hotel People say, I don't want to leave. It's, you know, we kind of, through our uh, research, found, found that out. And I think what people are surprised with is uh, how they feel when they're at the hotel, uh, in addition to what they see. And that all of these, all of these moments and all of these details uh, play into that, that overall sense of uh, hassle-free environment in as far as your health and your well-being and your and your eating and your sleeping uh, go, and we spend we I think we spend Colin we spend much more time than most of brands today 
I, mean, I spend a lot of time, and as you know, I've done a lot of hotels and resorts in my life. And you know, when you when you run 110 and you build 35, you don't have the same amount of time that you put into building one, getting that right. And we spend two years locked up in the offices without having to operate, just really making sure we get the brand and all these details tight and that we could execute consistently at a very high level. And it seems like it's it's really working. You know, the hotel's doing very well. What I've what what I've heard and what you've told me in, in our other conversations is, you know, you're starting to see a migration. You're starting to see guests that were previously a palace guest in Paris um, of during your times there kind of trade into this world. So it seems like there's consumer resonance. What's what's more of the feedback that you're hearing from from these sort of converts from the traditional five-star sort of palace luxury what are you hearing so first first i'm in you know, first they don't really know what it is until they come here mm -hmm. they're usually what i hear is they're blown away by the quality of the room and the details the way it is designed and the way it functions and they're blown away by the integrated experience between all these elements that pull together uh our brand pillars which is you know movement nutrition regen and community and when when they see it and experience uh they're blown away by it it's a very unexpected um, <clears throat> in addition to that you know we're in a spot in manhattan that's kind of spectacular and you know it was a new spot people didn't really know what it meant staying at in, in hudson yards chelsea but the fact that we're on the river on the high line we have a private driveway we're sitting on the plaza and the park you know it creates almost an urban oasis uh there's an indoor there's a spectacular indoor pool there's a great outdoor pool with views over the hudson so it really it really offers an enormous amount of experience that that all tie together uh in this very unique experience and what i think is interesting about the location is there's a tremendous amount of dynamism there i mean obviously a lot of new yorkers have have some hip-hop beef with hudson yards but when i was walking around i heard Emirati accents. I heard French accents. I heard the kind of world congregating there. So it's interesting to have to have the dynamism and the global travel that's kind of in that pocket, um, particularly in terms of the guests that um, that are that are either dining with you or staying with you. I, I noticed very stylish Chinese, very stylish kind of Korean guests. So it is a nice melange of of the world that that's kind of being attracted there. I think in the beginning it was some of your, your naysayers. You know that you know wanted to be critical, um, but actually the the retail area, which is very unique for Manhattan, and maybe criticized that beginning. You know that we we don't do that in New York. I see a lot of New Yorkers that come in on the weekends, and when it's very hot outside, it's great. When it's very cold outside, it's great. And it feels it's very curated as an environment, um, and it feels very safe. So I think a lot of locals also enjoy it. Um, but that's the added plus to the to the pure product. I think the other thing that makes it special, I always said that great city hotels are kind of like resorts in cities. And, you know, I think to create a hotel that can be a business hotel, but can also tip it its hat to your the hours you spend there relaxing uh, is, an, is an important combination in today's uh, luxury world. 
it also makes it, it more interesting, right? I've always joked that a, a good hotel bar or kind of common space is a, is a good little kind of aquarium, right? Where, where you want lots of different types of fish and, and, and the person that just lives down the road or the person that's just landed from Dubai, you know, having a nice mix of that kind of kind of makes a place have a little bit of a pulse, right? As opposed to just a, a transaction. Now, what makes it different, what is what one of the things that people don't realize immediately is that a hotel is designed to cater to guests that come in from out of town. Usually when you travel, you first thing you do is you go and see the front desk or the concierge and you ask for the good local restaurants because you do want to hang out where the locals go. A club is designed for locals. Either you live or you work next to your, your fitness club. So you have the dynamics of a business that caters to locals as well as to people from out of town. So now if when you descend into the club, and by the way, in comparison to a typical luxury hotel where about 10% of the guests use the fitness area, in our case, it's up to 40% of the guests using the fitness area. When you descend in that club, and here it's 60,000 square feet, you're, you're part of a local community that's vibrant and that's like-minded. And so there's a buzz. And, and we have about 1,500 people out of the five plus thousand members in and out of the building. So we create footfall for the neighborhood. And on average, they stay two and a half hours in the club. And when they're finished, a lot of them change and they go up and they go to the bar or the restaurant and they animate the building in a way that makes it uh, very special. It's a good point. It's the 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 fitness club integrated into the hotel also adds more to the aquarium, right? In terms of, in terms of the sort of right type of people or the right fitness minded people. Um, I wanted to ask you strategically, the hotel is operating at a very, you know, luxury level. It's a premium level. Um, what is the role of the hotel in the sort of lifestyle strategy of Equinox? How are the two kind of um, relating to, to one another? So I think, I think probably the most obvious answer is that luxury over the last you know, decade or more, two decades, has become much more informal. And if you go and stay at the more traditional luxury brands or properties, you, know, you might scratch your head and wonder you know, if you need to wear your blazer tonight or if you need to wear a tie for dinner. Or, and you know you can, but you really don't want to because it's too hot or uncomfortable. And I think the new generation uh, is much more casual in the way they dress. And our brand gives people permission to show up in hoodies and sneakers and be super happy and sit in the restaurant and, and have dinner. And you know, and, and some of our the most high-profile VIPs that come and stay with us, you know, they they walk in and they're wearing their hoodies and the in their sneakers and they're relaxed and laid back and there's not a sense that they have to conform in any way to a more old-fashioned way of consuming luxury sure i wanted to ask about your kind of travel regimen you know i think now and, and during your tenure at four seasons you were putting a lot of miles on the board kind of a absurd amount of time on the road and what is the sort of now, informed by you know your work with Equinox and informed by your Swiss upbringing, what is the the key to you know what are you thinking about 
as you're traveling, you know, what, what services are you availing yourself with from the, from the hotel? Like what is the picture of, of wellness look like for you? So the first is the way I pack. <laughs> and I want to, I, we pack like the Swiss army. It's very precise and very small and I carry on. So the, the thing is convenience getting in and out of you know airports and, and other places. But when I get to the hotel, I basically want to be, I want to have a hassle-free environment. I will worry about my business and the meetings and what I have to do. I don't want to worry about anything that, that happens at the hotel. So... I always said luxury starts with 300 pages of guest history. So they need, I want to, they want to know who I am, what I like, what I don't like. If I'm the type of a person who doesn't like to be, you know, greeted and spoken to and escorted and, you know, just here's the key and go. That's what I want. If I don't drink alcohol, I don't want a wine amenity. You know, if, if I don't, if I'm on a diet, I don't want people to send me, you know, sweets. And so, you know, to really tune into the guest needs because, not only you and me might be different, but I might also be different a month from now. And a, a good hotel gets all of that. It spends a lot of time on preparing for it and executing on it. So that's, that's what I look for. The other thing is I also look for not to travel when I don't have to uh, unnecessarily. Uh, and I think, you know, certainly technology has been part of that. And so, uh, so maybe the leisure component in a hotel as I do travel has become more important than just making it a place to meet and sleep. So I think a hotel like ours, again, offers us this environment that has a, a, a lifestyle leisure component to it, even though we're in the middle of you know, the, the busiest, you know, one of the busiest cities in the world. And then in terms of your regimen, what you're paying attention to from a, you know, mobility standpoint, supplement standpoint, what, what is the, what is the way you kind of think about arming yourself as you move throughout the world? So, you know, I think you want to, you want to stick to moving, I mean, you know, working out as one stretch. I mean, all that's moving out, stretching, being active uh, is one. I think diet is very underestimated how important it is, what you, what you put in your body. So I've always been a very, careful eater even though i love you know i love to drink wine and i love sweets but uh try to be you know consistent in in that um i think what has changed in the last and maybe the pandemic even has accelerated i have become a much more conscious sleeper i used to wear a badge of honor for making it on four and a half to five hours of sleep a day and you know i was proud of it and today I'm actually proud that I can, you know, I get in my, you know, seven hours of sleep. Uh, and this so, is a big sea change, I think, for a lot of people, especially at the top tiers. You know, it, it, it used to be being able to suck it up, but you realize that you're cognitively diminished. You realize that, um, you know, the consequences of, of that are, are big. So, you know, as, as more and more consumers wake up to this, you know, whether it's through an aura ring or whoop band or just paying attention, you know, the, the performance level. So it, it, it's interesting you, that sea change that you've experienced is also kind of the consumer insight that's informing a lot of the hotel. And what I want to talk about now is how does this scale? How are you thinking about taking this on the road into other markets? 
you know, Equinox has a tremendous amount of, of brand equity in the United States. Where are the, the, the sort of targets of opportunity as you want to build this brand in the world? Like, what are you thinking about? So interesting enough, you know, Equinox has 30 years in the business. It's kind of in a class by itself. There's really nobody at this quality, at this scale that competes with Equinox. But interesting enough, because the key locations throughout North America, Canada, the UK, are concentrated in cities like Boston, New York, LA, San Francisco, that a lot of international guests that we have that now live in Europe or in, in Asia or the Middle East, or a lot of them studied in the States. They came and went to Boston, they went to New York, they went to universities in LA. And, and so, and they were, a lot of them were members at Equinox over the last decades. And when I go back and I sit in meetings literally all around the world, I just had a meeting in Madrid with a, a man I think in his mid forties, studied in Boston and uh, New York, and he was a member. He said, oh my God, I remember my times. And, and so the brand uh, does have global recognition. So the strategy was to grow urban US, number one, number two, go into resorts that the East and West Coast would feed. So we have a project in Mexico and we have a project in the Caribbean. Uh, I was actually just down there last week, which would be spectacular. Um, the next step was to be the, the big cities in Europe, like a London, a Madrid, a Milan, a Paris. Uh, and then there's a separate strategy on Asia and the Middle East, and there's discussions in those areas, uh, including discussions just a few weeks ago for uh, South Korea, uh, where I think you know a hotel and a few clubs could do incredibly well based just on the culture and the way they eat and the way they live. Um, but the idea was to go global very quickly, and the idea also was to work hard that our next opening would be a resort. Because I don't want the brand to be seen as either an urban brand or a resort brand. And you, we have some of our friends that sit with these brands that almost get you know, locked or pegged into this perception that their brand is more of a resort brand or more of an urban brand. So you know, we did this ultra-urban opening because New York is kind of as urban as it gets in the world. Um, and the next is most probably going to be a resort. And so we will immediately spread out globally and we'll go into these both areas uh, very quickly. It's interesting. I, I love your point about the latent equity because with, with highly global mobile people, um, you're, you, you have people that lived in New York when they were working for Goldman for four years and then moved back to Paris or wherever. So there is a brand experience based off of the sort of diaspora that creates. And then I, I love your point about doing both resorts and cities because it is hard sometimes to um, to retrofit or to do the reverse strategy. Like Amman has been known for hyper hyper remote locations around the world, and then you know is, is opening in cities. Same with Six Senses. So it is interesting that you're going to figure out the value proposition for both and kind of execute on it. Um, which is which is fantastic. Now, with the Middle East, what do you see the opportunity as as being 
more more urban based or more resort based i mean obviously there's tremendous amount of um activity both in you know Jeddah Riyadh but also some of the you know areas of development there um any conversations i mean totally fine if if you can't talk about them but i'm just kind of curious about the middle east strategy yes i mean certainly everybody's looking at that part of the world i i can't announce it at this point i'm still I, but i'll let you know you'll be one of the first ones i'll call cool but, yeah yes but it's both resort and urban you know as that part of the world you know emerges uh, i think there's some spectacular opportunities um i so yes yes and both cool well we're running out of time chris you've been unbelievably thoughtful um both with the industry perspective and also specifically to what you're building with Equinox, so we can't thank you enough, and um, I really appreciate you coming on. Well, you're you're very kind, and I I appreciate your your deep. Actually, when we met in New York, I was I was very impressed by your deep understanding of of what luxury really is. Uh, so thanks for having me on, and uh, I hope we'll speak very soon again. It's it's our pleasure. Thank you. Join us for future Skift Ideas podcasts as we speak with the most creative and forward-thinking innovators in travel. As always, go to skift.com to stay up to date on the latest news and insights across the travel industry.